0: Hello and welcome to the First Time Founders Podcast, the show where we talk about how to start a business from nothing and grow it into something meaningful. Today I'm talking to Ian Jones, who's Managing Director of Care and Independence, uh, a healthcare products manufacturing business that he'll tell you all about during the episode. The reason Ian's on is we met at an entrepreneurial operating system, EOS uh, UK conference, where various entrepreneurs, um, visionary founders, uh, integrator MD types come together to talk about how they're running this their businesses using this common management system. We bumped into one and over, over coffee. And what I found so fascinating about Ian is that he, he leads a VC-backed business in a kind of real-world physical deliverables um, space, which is quite unusual for VC-backed companies. And he turned that business around, took expenses out, which a lot of VC-backed companies are having to do at the present moment, Um, and then got that business onto a growth flight path with the backing of VC um, majority-controlled board using EOS. So hopefully this will be really timely and useful content for a great many of our listeners. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Ian Jones. Ian, welcome to the First Time Founders Podcast. Thank you for doing this.
1: You're very welcome. Great to see you. Great to see you.
0: I feel like we're old friends now. So for our viewers and listeners, we actually don't know each other that well, but we met at a EOS Entrepreneurial Operating System conference, didn't we? Which it does feel a bit like a cult, those things. It,
1: it did. And it's difficult to realise it was only a few weeks ago. As you say, it feels like there's a lot of water <laughs> going under the bridge in the meantime. We really know enough about each other to think this has gone gone more than just a few weeks in terms of our, us knowing each other. So.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was brilliant. So, um, why don't for for, for people viewing and listening before we get into EOS, like be useful to just 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 tell them a little bit about the business that you that you run now and and how, how you came to to sit in the seat you're in. Okay, so um, I, I I'm
1: now managing director of current Independence. Um, I've been in this business five and a half years. Um, up until it was my first MD role, actually. Um, up until that time, I was heavily focused on finance and operations. Uh, all in the same industry. So I've been in the, the medical device healthcare industry for 30 years now. Um, I'm a chartered accountant, that's where I started my grounding, um, but I've always had an interest beyond the numbers. And that's where my digging got into and took me into a more operational role. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be promoted for the first for 15 years of my career and um, through the same organization, um, up to the point where I led finance and operations for a 130 million pound division. Um, and 700 people um, employing 700 people so it it was a it was a great move for me into where i am now um, into an md role um so i pretty much had every discipline and responsibility under my under my belt um except development and marketing um and um uh, a wise old, a wise old So once told me, if you don't know it, just make sure you get somebody who does know it. So eighty, ninety percent common sense, and then get good teams around you. And and you, you can't be an expert in everything. And that's and that's where I, that's how I've learned, and I've got good people in around me. So yeah, I, I moved into general management, um, and 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 I've had this MD role, um, and and. I've always, I started life in this, in this industry in a small business. It was a four or five man, uh, million pound division, division of a 200 million pound business. And I loved it. I felt as though I could contribute at that level. So it's not, un, it's not um, a surprise that I've now found myself as an MD of a, of a five, six, seven, eight million pound growing business because um, that, that's where I feel I can
0: add most value. And what is it that attracted you to, to, to the current business? Like what does it, what does it actually do? Um, So we um, manufacture and we design,
1: manufacture and distribute um, medical equipment for um, those who aren't able to help themselves. So it's moving and handling equipment. So typically uh, um, uh, the majority of our end users, not our customers, the the end users are disabled people who need help and assistance with their their moving, whether that's out of bed, into a bathing facility or out of bed into a into a chair, um, and and that's that's what we 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 help them. We improve their lives. We help them to um, do things they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do themselves. Um, and, and as say, I've been in this industry for thirty years, and it, it, it's just so rewarding. Um, I've had family members who have been have used medical equipment, not ours, over the years, and when and when you, you get a real empathy in that, and probably every person. Has got a story about um about somebody within their family or close friend who has needed help um with with medical assistance and when you're in it um you're in it and it, it's it's very it, you, you never want to leave the industry that's so why i've been doing it for 30 years
0: so. you know what's interesting when we met at the conference and you know you're an integrator finance guy you say he's not in sales man. you know leads sales but um you said to me, it really spoke to me. I mean, look, I'm soft and cuddly, sort of wannabe visionary type. But you said to me, um, you know what? When people buy our gear, we put we put the care that's deserved into that product because if someone's getting being lifted out of a bed x times a day, it matters whether that experience is optimized or not I can't remember the words you used but I, uh, remember, I remember thinking it, fucking hell that's pretty powerful yeah it, it's it's comfort and dignity everyone deserves it they they we we all do
1: things in our life where we can make ourselves as comfortable and do things as dignified as we want they can't so whether you're whether somebody's sitting in a chair for three hours a day and they can't move themselves they deserve they have the right not to end up with a pressure sore on on their sacrum you and I can move around our chair to make them not happen they deserve if if they're being lifted for forty seconds. They they you and I when we get up out of a chair, we do it in a dignified way. They can't do that, so our product has to be designed in a way that one is most comfortable for them, and secondly, it's it's dignified for them because they they can't do it themselves. And and that's that's our mantra behind everything we do. Um, so and we put a lot of care and time and effort into into in, into making sure. That's what we do and by the way that goes beyond the user as well um that that goes to the healthcare professional so a healthcare professional has these deserves deserves to be able to manage that client manage that user in a dignified way they yeah. don't want to necessarily be stood there thinking that the customer, the user is is, is compromised or is is uncomfortable that if you if you're a worker within the, I mean it's rewarding enough being a manufacturer in it, but if you're a worker within the healthcare profession, we all know during COVID, what those what what they what they did for for this country, but they do that every day. Yeah, it, they don't just they didn't just do that during COVID. They do that every single day. They do it now. They did it before. So we we try and we try and do our part play our part in that.
0: Do you know, it's funny. I already knew that story and it gave me goosebumps again. Like, I don't know if it's because I connect with the end user story or if it's yeah. just you love talking to business leaders that give a shit, you know, and that can, yeah. Artic- yeah. And can articulate why they care. So. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So finance, get why you understand the sector. So how did you discover the entrepreneurial operating system? And then we'll, we'll, st- we'll maybe spend the rest of the time talking a bit about sort of the. The before and the after, yeah. and why it is you're such an advocate for that now. So, so
1: um, the discovery actually first took place in uh, of all of all times, July 2020. Really, like slap bang in the middle of COVID, when we were going through a fairly significant and major business reorganisation. The, the the business was in the turnaround um, at that time. So, it was introduced to me by my sales and marketing director, who had experience and he knew an integrator. Uh, sorry, an implementer. Yep. So we we had that first call in July 2020. And I remember thinking, this isn't for us right now. We're right in the middle of a of a um, a major turnaround. One year later, when we'd stabilised the business, and we we really, I would say the business was turned around. We went into a growth mindset, um, and we realised that both of us. We've been in growing businesses, but we didn't really have that proper skill set and that proper discipline in order to be able to do that. So we reconnected with the implementer that we knew, a guy in the States, um, Dave Feidner, and, and said, we think you've got something that's useful for us, but it's got to help us grow because we, um, we, we've we got to change the culture in this business where everyone was used to firefighting for a number of years. So anyway, we, we had a second meeting with him. Um, I liked what I saw. I got an indication as to what one-year costs were going to be to, for him to implement that for us. I went to the board, persuaded the board that it was absolutely the right thing to do. And we 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 haven't looked back since. At that time, I was conscious that we were doing a number of good things anyway. So mm-hmm. we, we were starting to do good things around our people. We were starting to do good things around our culture. Um we just didn't really have the umbrella under which to do it all under, and this, for me, provided that perfect umbrella. I mean, uh, I'm glad I made the decision when uh, when I did. If I if I knew then what I know now, I'd have I'd have rushed this through so so much quicker. So it was untrue because it's just delivered so much more. It's delivered so much more than than my expectation.
0: Um, yeah, I found this. I found the same thing in my in, yeah. in my business, and it's interesting because like you. I'd come through the legal track. I wasn't clever enough to be a numbers guy, but like I, um, I, I knew in some form or another everything that's in the entrepreneurial operating system. Everything that's in traction, I understood the principles. I think I'd maybe just confused myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes the more studied you are, the more vulnerable you are to overcomplicating it.
1: Isn't that one of the key key skills? Simplicity, and, <laughs> and,
0: and you're absolutely right. There is
1: there's no rocket science in EOS, but you know what? There is discipline. And there is simplicity in it that it's just it's not just for it's not just like you and me and the senior management team. It, it's something that in order for it to work properly, you've got to it's gotta it's gotta be a tool that everyone in the business can understand and work to. And that yeah. that's that's what that's the beauty of it. And that's what I that's that's the real, real good beauty of it. And I I I I I'm not there yet as a business. Um but a key um this year one of our goals was to ensure that every employee benefits to the full from the us process um and we're not quite there yet it will be it'll be a further go we've, we've moved we've moved leaps and bounds but that journey will continue next year um, well, and they- that was one of the reasons why um i went to the the conference day it was because i wanted to understand that i went to all the sessions that were going to enable myself and james to embed this deeper into the business so we got some real good takeaways from that day so
0: yeah, no, and it's interesting actually, as I've sort of got to know the implementer community, like what a lot of people will say is that nobody ever gets to 100% strong across all of the components. That's kind of the fun the fun of the journey. So when you did the, the eight questions, so for those that aren't EOS aficionados, eight, eight questions are just the, the questions that EOS teases out of leadership team to get really clear on their vision. Um, we won't go through them necessarily, but you know, like core values, core focus, 10-year target, marketing strategy, three-year picture, one-year plan, Quarterly rocks and issues. There's plenty more to us, but that's kind of the starting point. How much of that was was already known to the leadership team at the point that the implementer come in, or was was that were the were the vision building days painful in some ways? Like how how did how did how quickly did you get to answers to those eight questions, and how long did it take to iterate on those answers? I
1: I would say we didn't have a lot of those answers um really uh, uh, well, our, well me our, neither our, by the way actually i don't know why i'm sounding surprised <laughs> no uh, uh, look, a, a little bit now our, our ownership structure um so we're we're um vco and our ownership structure i mean we it's not it's not a secret that at, at some point the ownership structure will have to change but what it meant was that we were more focused on the here and now one year two year three year at the very most yeah so we weren't really looking beyond our nose um so the the first the first thing we did as a business and 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 one of well we certainly didn't have a we'd started on the values piece so we didn't have the answers for our core values those two days were just the best two days for the senior management team because we got to all those answers within those two days we hadn't considered them but we got to all those right answers and one of the first things we uh, apart from the core values we did we set our we set our ten year hairy ass goal um, and, and and ours was to grow. In 10 years, um sixfold. So that's amazing. We were, yeah, we we were look, we we're a five million pound business, and we said 10 years we want to be a 30 million pound business. And we have this, we our our tagline is improving lives. That's that that is what that that is our reason for being. So one yeah. one of the <laughs> our, our um, that was one of the things that came out in the day. We'd already been using it, but that's what we said to everyone, the whole business. Our reason for being, CNI's reason for being is improving lives. And today, or at that time, we were improving 125,000 lives a year on the the way we measured it. And and we didn't, at the time, we didn't say we want to grow our revenue sixfold. We said we want to be improving a million lives a year in 10 years' time. We we, we didn't talk numbers. We didn't talk revenue. We didn't talk profit. We didn't talk number of people. We just said we want to be improving a million lives a year. That's, that's That's a nice thing to do. That's a nice legacy to leave. That's a nice ball to start rolling. And so I was, I was, again, talking about value, i was blown away the clarity we walked out of that two day planning session with um, all those eight, eight questions answered. Um, so we hadn't done it, but clearly, it, yeah.
0: I, I found exactly the same thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to get excited and jump yeah, in. But no. I, I found the exact same thing because we were investor backed. Um you it is your duty as a leader to get those investors a return right like that's how risk capital innovation happens if if they never get a return then no more risk capital right yeah. so society sort of depends on it in the way our yeah. society's configured if you want to get highfalutin about it um but it does make it a challenge uh, did you i mean did the board just sign off the money because they trust you or did they understand that you therefore were going to declare and lead the business towards a vision that was was definitely going to go beyond their tenure of ownership because um, I never really had that conversation with my investors. I I wish I'd been running EOS up front so that I could have sold the investment vision completely aligned with the internal yeah. vision. I, I kind of discovered EOS after I'd raised the money. Um, and so I, I slightly wrestled with that 10 year aspect of it. We did it, but it was a struggle.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of interesting points in there. So so one sharing with the board. Um, I, I, I was very. Uh, it, it, it was clear to me that that ownership change was gonna was gonna take place quite quite early on within that within that ten year cycle and early on, not to five years. So we knew a significant part of that. We shared it with them. Um, in truth, how much that sat sang and and how much that resonated with them, I don't know. Um, so. But going back to how I persuaded the board, um, they trusted me. so I, I had had the benefit of a business turnaround. this business was losing money breaking even in, the, in, in my first year it lost money broke even in the second year. I turned it around to a profitable business um, and um, and I had said and the key thing for them I said in every structure we are now focusing and we, we are putting all our time and effort and energy and all our traction, some careful words here, into the areas of the business that we know work. In order for us to make that happen and grow at the pace that you want us to grow at, I believe this is an ideal opportunity and an an ideal investment. And for the sake of that investment, 25, 30,000 pounds, um, they they signed off on it. But it all came from a, a position of trust. Now again, yeah. we know that that's at, that's at the, that's at the core of of all of all business processes. There's got to, you've got to have that trust. You've got to have that trust. If they trust, if they didn't trust me, they didn't let me do it. I would have questioned whether this was the right business for me. So anyway, that 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 was where it came from. So it, um, yeah, they they approved it, and we and they wanted to keep a tight tight lid on
0: it. And thankfully, um, things started to happen. So. I mean, I, I guess what makes sense, as I kind of reflect on it, like being able to say to investors, listen, the 10-year the, the, the vision might be beyond, 10-year target might be beyond your planned period of ownership. But if you're going to maximize value for your ownership, the next person that comes in as the owner or next entity that comes in as the owner has got to buy into a story. Um, and of course, the new owner, it's their prerogative to maybe change the story, but Nature abhors a vacuum, right? Like I can understand why if I was if I was a, a VC backed leader trying to persuade my board or investors to to go on this journey and commit to this 10 year target, I guess that would be the way I'd think about doing it. And say our three year picture, which is relevant to their ownership horizon, is sort of gonna be informed by that vision. So it's something you might want to be invested in.
1: And and, and that's a really important point because if you and, and we crossed that bridge with with our implementer at the time, where we went through that process of saying, look, I understand the one and three year in the context of the board, but I don't understand it in the context of the 10-year, which I, I fully subscribe to. We've been through the process. And they said and they said exactly that. They said, Okay, the ownership may change. And that, by the way, that might be me. I'm 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 the majority exec shareholder in the business. Um if you don't have that 10-year vision, you don't maximize the EV of that business at the point where a change of ownership happens. So you, the, the world, as he described it, the world's not going to stop. The world's not going to stop, uh, and the business is not going to stop when you when the ownership changes. So think beyond that. And that was a very easy thing for me to get my head around and realize that actually that 10-year goal, has well, it certainly enabled us to get to where we have got to today. Um,
0: that's powerful.
1: So it's, it, yeah, yeah, it was.
0: And then, was there? You said that you you've become really disciplined and accountable through EOS. I mean, obviously, you're a brutal numbers man, so I bet you were somewhat disciplined and accountable before before this. Like, in what ways has it impacted the the operation and or the customer, which has sort of driven growth? Like, are there any kind of tangible things that come to mind? Yeah, I
1: mean, I I I, I talk about two words, and I've already mentioned them. The, the the two big things for us were focus and traction. So you you, you Having simplified things, you 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 discuss, you you make decisions. You, you're not I, for a while. I've learned probably for a good five years now. I've I've learned to not be afraid of making a decision, and getting it wrong. Don't get it wrong twice. So yeah, traction is make a decision, revisit it. Hopefully that decision's the right one. If not, go back and change that decision. That's that's the traction, but it's also the focus. So the whole rock setting process, setting your goals. Uh, our, uh, the amount of times, and, and every business does this. The dis- it's the distraction. The amount of times I, I now talk about, guys, that's just a distraction. That's not. That's not going to help us get to where we want to get to, um, in the way we want to get there. Um, which is, okay, yes, it, it, it will be. It will be one brick in a cathedral, but it's not. It's not going to. It's not going to lay the foundations of the, of the cathedral. So, to me, the two big things and the two big disciplines that have, uh, enable us to go on this growth path. Is has been the traction and the focus, um, and and they are the two
0: most powerful things. Is that because the world you operate in? There's, it's a very very big market. That huge appetite for. I'm sure it's very competitive, but like that that market does need products and services. Is that what creates that sort of magpie temptation to keep trying to grab revenue doing random stuff? That, that is
1: exactly it. I mean, if you if you look at a t- typical tender for us, that we go. There's, there's some 320 lines on, a, on, a, on, a, on an equipment profile, on the framework. We, we might bid for about 30 of them. The temptation of an unfocused business is to say, oh, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that. And all of a sudden you find yourself bidding for 60 or 70. And, and, and actually, one, you've not got the infrastructure to be able to do that or the skill set, and it be, and, and you end up spending 80% of your time trying to chase those other 30 40 SKUs as opposed to focusing on the ones that you know you're good at and, and you can demonstrate to the to the customer that you're good at. So yeah that, and there, there, are, there are there are hundreds and thousands of medical devices out there. Um, so when we set when we set um, um, the scope of where we want to get to when we are improving million lives, we, we have deliberately chosen our words to say we want to move we, we, we're happy to add moving and handling. Um, equipment that um, is an assessment and it's a specific type of thing that we are very good at. We're very good at going with an occupational therapist and helping them assess the user's needs. So the very very simple um, thing to do is to say to the OT, when you're going in, you're not just assessing for our products. You could be assessing for something like a Zimmer frame or a a tin opener. So it's it's looking for those opportunities that when you go in on a, on a single call you've you've got you've got a maximum um, potential return now that's not to say we're going to start selling products for 50p or a pound because there's some very competitive market spaces so it's got it's got to align itself to our commercial um, our commercial goals as well but there's a lot of stuff out there but again it focuses us and our attention on 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 um, on what we're good at, and that's the most important thing. We we realise what we're good at, setting our marketing strategy. We know what we're very good at, um, and, and this is all the EOS stuff, you know. And and but again, we went through that place and realised that, and we said, okay, this is this is what this is where our future time and efforts should be. So,
0: how have you found the relate this this concept of the visionary and the integrator? And obviously, James isn't here to defend himself, yeah. but like I'd just be fascinated in because I. I, I I have some integrator characteristics. I guess it's the sort of the reformed lawyer thing. I've, I have struggled to shake that off entirely, but I definitely bias towards yeah. visionary traits. I'm a better visionary than I am integrator, probably. How have you found working in those seats? And how would you? Well, what advice would you give to others working in those two seats Okay, the,
1: the first thing we did, the first important thing we did um, when we implemented um, EOS is we did not have a visionary in our in our accountability chart. We did not. James was not the visionary. Um, and, and that was because we'd come from a position of a business turnaround where we basically learned to walk again. And we said, right, we need to learn to walk before we start to run and do hurdles and go mountain. And and that's where the visionary comes in. So once we had created a real stable environment, that's when – I mean, James was always trying to be the visionary. Um, and I, And in the early days, I was constantly saying, look, We've got we've, we've got we've got enough within our product portfolio
0: <laughs> with these um, twenty ideas and. But now <laughs> I let him
1: loose. Now I let him loose, and, and we discussed them as a good as a team. Now, we we, we went through the Colby scoring, um, another EOS tool, and James yeah. and I couldn't be more opposite in terms of, <laughs> in terms of our profiles. And, and in fact, our, our, our implementer turned around and said that you two you two need to be wary of that because that doesn't work sometimes. Um. Completely opposite. here. James, that's brilliant. again, that's down to trust and respect. Mm-hmm. And, and we've both got mutual trust and respect. And I think as as uh, some advice for anyone in that environment, um, that relationship has to exist. So if James comes along with 20 ideas and I'm not 19 back, it, he doesn't get offended by them. We, again, yeah. we, we will have a meaningful discussion about it. And, and equally, I mean, last year he came to me with such a harebrained idea about something <laughs> And do you know what? I just, I, I laughed at him first of all. And I mean, it, it, this, and this was a service related potential as opposed to a product. But that's not what we do, James. We, we, we're products. And, and I, I, anyway, I went, about, I went away over the weekend, and thought about it. And I came back to him and said, do you know what? That might be brilliant. That's and, awesome. And, 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 and it was all around the training of, yeah. of, of what we do. And, and it sort of opened my mind up to say, well, actually, we do that already. We do it free of charge as part of our service. It, ah, the more we try, and, and part of our growth has been some of the fantastic training we do. Is the investment in training has led to our growth now. So all of a sudden, this 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 visionary comes to me with an idea that I think is a harebrained scheme, and I think, do you know what? That makes sense. We, with a, with it, with a broadened training offering, it opens up. There's forty thousand OTs out there. We we sure we sure as hell aren't hitting them all every year. If we got a broadened training, um, um, not only does it open up our products to to more people, more users of the equipment, but actually it opens up other other potential products as well. So it was it's that's the sort of visionary thing where we, we might clash and lock on to begin with, but actually do you know what we we, we work it out and sort and sort it out and talk it through. Um, but you've got to have that, I go back to you've got to have that respect and that trust. In in each other as integrator and visionary, um, and be able to have those hard discussions. Oh, have we lost you? No, I'm 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 I'm
0: I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back now. It's, I've moved okay. out to this I've moved out to this this country location. Oh. I, I find it very relaxing, but not necessarily as reliable as being. Very relaxing.
1: Trees gently swaying in the background.
0: Yeah, no, I I think we're okay. We're back. Um, I um. Uh, the visionary integrator relationship, I agree, like, is so important how you have mutual respect in both directions. Because actually, you're right, it is very difficult when you're on the visionary side of that equation, understanding that those 19 rejections come from a good place, not a bad place. And they, a good integrator wants you to keep pushing the boundaries and thinking laterally and asking, do we think this is where our next opportunity comes from? I mean, just as you were talking, I was thinking... We think how well it worked for Rolls-Royce, right? Selling engines and then also actually making probably more money, more profit from servicing said engines. And then I was thinking about your uniques and this injecting this care into something that could feel like quite a kind of cold product. What better way to do that than educate what are your key stakeholders around yeah. the care that's gone into that product? So yeah. I can see why it makes sense, but why it wouldn't have been obvious, particularly coming out of a turnaround mindset.
1: Yeah, so so the 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 real good thing about those nineteen rejections is that you you, you don't just reject them. And, and by the way, that, that hasn't happened. He hasn't come with twenty ideas and I've rejected nineteen. And, but 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 even in one, even if you take nineteen on and reject the one, you learn from that. And that that's mm. been another that's been another real good thing of of um, the US process where where you go through your rocks and you miss some rocks and and you, you don't you don't do your to dos on a weekly basis. You, you you sit back and you learn from it. You say, why, and how's that impact to the business and and what what can we do differently and and we've done that every step of the way, and that's no different with it with a with a potential idea that a visionary brings to the business you say well okay um let let's let's actually understand having spoke talked it through why why we don't think it's a good idea because you learn from it, and you make sure next time that the one that comes along is the one that 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 hits the money so and, and that, that is that. That is a really important part of the US process. Is the learning? It's not. It's not. It's not just a tick box exercise where you do your weekly meetings and you set your quarterly box. It's got to be a, an improvement process. It's got to be an opportunity for the business to improve. So,
0: I agree. No, we found it like therapy as well. Actually, one of the things me and Meg, the operations director at Yapsu, who played the integrator role for for us, one of the things that um, one of the things that she she did, we had to do same page meetings, was critical for us because. I needed a vehicle to tell her where I was worried about something in the customer population where I had this idea and I was very vulnerable to vulnerable, very prone to blowing my organization off track because, because I was the founder CEO. So I also had a sort of a, an, an actual and an implied authority. That I didn't always fully understand. And you, you could, you come in and say something shoot from the hip and you can derail your organization pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was about having structured time with Meg to download onto her to then bring that into level tens as appropriate the quarterly sort of you know strategy sessions and the like and um, I mean I it meant I found EOS less frustrating than I think I'm otherwise might have so I think for entrepreneurial yeah. people listening that's something they need to take away that you've yep. that's sort of come out from your relationship with James
1: yeah um, I, I look I, I think the other the other really good thing about about what we've got i'm not going to blow my own trumpet here but um any any leader need, um and certainly in my position as md they need to know their numbers they need to understand their numbers because too, too often if you've got a visionary who doesn't know his numbers and 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 actually as the md and a visionary they, they start chucking ideas and saying we're going to do it regardless without discussion if they don't know the numbers um like that's where they there's a risk of, of destroying any good work that has has gone on before, so know your numbers, um, or, or have a good person who knows your numbers. Have a have a good trusted advisor who knows their numbers. I,
0: I wasn't expecting us to go there, but I am. Um, one of the things that was really bruising for me on my journey was learning the difference between abdication and delegation. And numbers was something that I abdicated for a long time, which I am ashamed to say. It definitely impeded my ability to be a good a good executive generally speaking have you do you, do you find yourself coaching um non financial leaders to be more equipped with numbers what's your approach like do you just tell them that it's important and then expect them to kind of get up the curve just curious
1: no i, I think I, I talked about the journey that i've been on as a numbers person i i i always i dug into everything so i, I moved into operations um as a reason for explaining my numbers so now right. so it's very easy for me to share my numbers in the context of an operational or a commercial background to the senior management team, to any, any member of the business. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't deliberately go out and way to coach, but I guess it's just my second nature that I'm always explaining things anyway to people when, when I'm talking about numbers, I'm always explaining it in the context of the business. So uh, it, 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 for me, it's second nature. I would say that's something that I've, developed and grown with over the years it's not true of every accountant Um, not every accountant is able to take that that leap from the numbers into then saying okay how do we use that and how does the business benefit from that information
0: I hadn't thought about that but actually for entrepreneurs watching this that, that do recognize the need to up their financial game and they were thinking about just hiring a finance seat and yeah. forgetting about it maybe they should consider bringing someone that's got a finance background but has also done a term in operation yeah. so there's just less distance to travel between yeah. those seats yep
1: yeah. absolutely interesting
0: um, and before we let you go can we just talk scorecard briefly um, yeah. so for again for those listening scorecards a key part of the data component of eOS you run your business on a on a, on a on uh, a weekly meeting that Ian's referred to and you look at a scorecard that's supposed to give the leadership team an absolute pulse on the business I know you can't you can't give anything that's commercially sensitive in terms of actual leading indicators that determine the forward looking health in your business Ian are you able to give some examples of the sorts of things that you've realized the organization needs to be paying attention to because of course we're not going to talk about any actual numbers but just the sorts of measurables that are important
1: yeah so um uh, probably, probably not surprised to anyone who knows me, but so our, our cost base is is quite tight. I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant, and I, and I run, I run as tight a ship as I need to. So for me, this business is all about revenue. So some some our scorecard contains a number of um, top line drivers that are uh, and, uh, enable us to to become better predictors, but also see where we are in the here and now. So I alluded to going out with occupational therapists and doing assessments. So we've got a team of assessors who go out. So their levels of activity we know through history drive our future business. So we, we know if we maintain a number of assessments a day over a prolonged period of time. So that's that 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 that's a that's a key activity based um, item that is on our scorecard. Um, but also um, in new business. So that's that's established business in new business. We're developing pipelines, and and again, so so our our pipeline activity and our conversion rates is another is another important aspect for our business growth. So uh, and and then we we've, we've got the obvious one, which is we we monitor our monitor order intake on a weekly basis, um, and thankfully it's all moving in the right direction. So they're very much top line driven, um, um, top line growth oriented um, items on the scorecard. We then look at our performance. So, of, of our industry, when, when somebody needs a bit of equipment, they don't need it in three weeks' time. When assessment takes place, they need that bit of equipment there and then. And, and we often say, if the, if the occupational therapist has that equipment in the car, they give it to that user straight away. Um, so, for us, our delivery time is key. So, we measure that. So, that's oh, a really that's interesting one because that's the the in in our business. Um, it goes through cycles. It goes through cycles of quality, price, and delivery. I think the one that in my mind over the 30 years has always been the top, and that's that's the delivery. That's the speed of delivery of from the moment that equipment is prescribed, how quickly can we get that equipment to the user? Now, some of that's out of our control because there's processes within the healthcare, um, healthcare sector that they need to go through, some hoops they need to jump through. But we need to make sure that we play our part in that. by the, When we get the order, we deliver it in the quick response time. So that's a really important metric for us. We've then got things like warranty and customer complaints. Again, that's all driven. So so one, the commercial, which is top line. We don't have any other. We don't look at costs. We don't look at profit. It's top line. And then it's how we're doing in delivering that top line in terms of customer service, speed delivery, complaints, and warranty returns. So that's I, I, very much our, our, how we're geared.
0: I think what's so fascinating about you is a great story anyway. And, you know, I love the way you talk about your business, business generally, and then EOS. But it's the fact that you're doing something that I think is quite unusual for a VC-backed entity. But I think there's an awful lot that other founders backed by VC and, dare I say, their investors are. Can learn from from your journey. I know we're coming up on the time you've got allocated. Are you happy for people to reach out to you if they're interested in what they've heard, whether they're investors, yeah. operators, or just EOS um, intrigues? Yeah,
1: I look, I I I couldn't talk enough about EOS. <laughs> I, I'm happy to talk to anyone about it. I I I can deliver a real message of how it's made a difference to our business. Um, um, and uh, what I'd say to anyone is anyone who's thinking about it. Have a look, have a look, make an inquiry because it is common sense. But how many people are sat at the breakfast table thinking, "Oh, this is common sense. I need to do this today, but never get around to it." What this does, it drives that discipline of you do get around to some stuff, even though it's very simple. I mean, I I, I had an example when I was when I was young and and it, it just qualified. It was people used to come knocking on my door saying, "I can save you thousands of pounds on on expenses." No, I don't need you. I can do it myself. You never get around to doing it, and this is no different. I'm 30 years older and, and a lot wiser, so uh, th- this is definitely something that I, I would say um, is worth having a look at as a minimum.
0: Oh, that's very generous. Well, listen, I'll put your your LinkedIn and your your email in the uh, in the, in the show notes, and and folks, if you're listening and you found this useful, then Ian's happy to give you a. 10-minute, five, five, 10-minute pro bono bono chat. And thank you so much for doing this. It's been amazing. No, you're welcome. It was was great meeting you on the day. And
1: do you know what? It's actually re-energized me even having this conversation today. So thank you as well, Rob. So...